Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right. Uh, we've been talking about the church. And, and uh, you know, I've had some questions during the week on, you know, why pick, you know, is this maybe an inflammatory kind of topic to be talking about right now? And the answer to that would be, yes, it could be. Uh, why do we pick, you know, talking about the church now when the church is going through something difficult? And my response to that will be twofold because I think that's a very valid concern. Very valid concern. Um, first, this is something that's been on our hearts since COVID actually started. Something me and Pastor Chris had been working on back then. And then now things have progressed, obviously. And before we even started this, I talked to him. I said, you know, Chris, like, we don't know how long, how long things are going to take between you and the board and working through, finding the next steps and all that stuff. And I don't want, I mean, our church still has to be the church. Jesus is still the Lord of this church. We still have a job to do. And Chris agreed wholeheartedly, and we both, feel, we both feel like that, and our leadership team feels like we don't want you guys waiting. We don't want you in a waiting pattern every time there's a problem. And I'm not trying to minimize this problem either. But Jesus is still Lord of the church, and he still has a purpose for us, for us meeting and gathering, and that is to glorify his name. So, yes, and the, the other thing to that and why we would speak about it now is sometimes the best time to talk about something is when you're going through a hard time instead of waiting until afterwards and, and, and discussing what we should have done, right? So we're trying to be sensitive in this whole thing, and I love you guys, and it's not, uh, you know, when we're going through upheaval like this, it's a difficult thing to, to try to lead, and I understand it's difficult for you as well, and I just think if we keep bearing with one another and loving, with, loving one another and working with one another, give each other the grace that we want, I think this is going to work in the end. Um, Ephesians 4.16, we read this last week. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's what we want. We want our body here at Southland to be built up in love, and that requires all of us taking that mantle of we are going to be the church no matter what, so we do our job properly, whatever that is, whatever God has assigned to you so that the body can be built up. It's part of our healing process. So we're going into week four. I've been waiting to get to week four from week one uh, because that's where I wanted to start, and then it just, you know, things kind of progress, and you got to lay a foundation, and you got to move and all that stuff. So, but now we're here. I'm excited to be where we're at, um, and, you're, and now you're probably wondering, well, what are you going to say? What are you excited about? Well, I'll, I'll do a quick recap from last week. We'll pray, and then I'll start explaining it. Remember, last week we talked about, <laughs> I talked about me loving my own body, but I said, I have a body, and it has to be healthy in order for me to do my job. Remember that? So I have a job to do. I have tasks that I have to complete on a daily basis, and to do that, I need a body that's functioning well. And so last week, we, we looked at our job, which is to, do you remember? Love God, love people, be discipled, make disciples. Can we say that together again? Love God, love people, be discipled, make disciples. Okay, that's our overarching job given to all believers. We're all supposed to be doing that in some way, shape, or form. But to do that, we actually have to have a body that is healthy and functioning, at least to some degree, and obviously recognizing that none of our bodies are 100%, are they? So, but we have to do our part to work together in unity, obviously trusting the Holy Spirit to come in and, and Jesus as functional Lord and the Holy Spirit to empower us to go out and do the job that he has given to us. So that's what we talked about last week. Today, I want to start focusing on those parts in the body, 
right? Because my body is made up of many different parts, many different functions, hands and feet and eyes and nose. And, uh, and when we talk about parts, we often think about things like calling, right? What is our calling? What is our function, our individual functions? And how do you know? Have you ever wondered that? Well, I know many of you have because I, that's one of the more common questions I hear. How do I know what my part is in the body? How do I know what my function is? Like, what is my purpose for being here? What does God want me to do? Right? And uh, that's a valid question. So let's pray, and then we're going to talk about exactly that this morning. Lord, we just want to thank you that you are head of this church. We want to thank you that you are head of the church. And we thank you for the honor that it is to be able to be a part of your body. We thank you for choosing us. Why did you choose us? Why did you choose broken people to manifest your glory onto the earth that we don't know? But it speaks of value. You somehow, you saw each of us, individuals, in our brokenness, our strengths and our weaknesses, and you said we were worth it, and you gave us incredible value and purpose by first dying for our sins, and then by giving us this this mission that, that you would actually allow us to be a part of, and that's incredible. So today, Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Would you teach us your word? Would you unify us in in spirit and in the faith and as a body? Would you unify us here at Southland? Would you help us heal? Would you help us grow? Would you help us have grace? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let's talk about the body of Christ. All right, the body of Christ, everyone a member, everyone a minister. So these aren't new things, but I keep wanting to reiterate it because I, I, one of the more common things I run into is people, and I've been there, who feel inadequate like we don't have a place. Right? I maybe attend a church, I may be a member as in I signed up for membership, but I don't feel like a contributing member in the sense of I don't know what I'm supposed to give. I don't know what my place is in the body, and yet... These are things that are very biblical. Everyone is a member. Every believer is a member of the body, individual members of it, and each member has a role. Each member has a role and a function. And everyone in ministry is something that we've talked about here for many, 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 many years, uh, but it's also something that you guys have wholeheartedly accepted. Uh, and we know that because of the volunteerism that happens and the fact that all of the things function. I mean, COVID happened and we went online and now we have live and online and we're doing that in all these different areas and we just keep functioning by and large because you guys are volunteering and giving of your time because you see it as a work of ministry and we appreciate that. And it builds up the body when you do that and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. But this is the point that I've been dying to get to in the series because I, I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding still of what the body of Christ is. And when we start, we're going to go into 1 Corinthians 12 shortly, and we're going to talk about those different functions, right? The different functions in the body. But I think sometimes we have a narrow, uh, a narrow view of what the body of Christ is. In the sense of, as soon as we think, you know, body of Christ, we are thinking internal, traditional ministry, vocational roles. And there's truth in that. I mean, there is obviously vocational roles. There is leadership roles within the church. And there is a lot of serving opportunities within the church. Absolutely, yes. But we are the church. We are the body of Christ, whether we're here and when we go home, the gathered and the scattered church. So we have to recognize that within our roles, that we're not just called to serve when we're inside the buildings, but it's also what we do when we go outside the building. There is purpose in what we do everywhere Something uh, Chris said um, last year around this time, 
He said, the problem with thinking of your calling and spirituality as things we only do inside the church is that unbelievers don't care a lot about what we do inside these walls. I love that. It's a, it's a very good statement. It's a very good statement, and it's true. Now, obviously, some unbelievers do come to church. I was one of them. I was one of them. Uh, that's part of my journey. I think I attended church for, I don't know, six months or something before I finally gave my life to Christ, and it was a, it was a horribly wonderful experience because it's very hard as an unbeliever when you want something but you feel like you can't have it and you're sitting here in the worship times, and it was, I would be wrecked every time I left here. But... Uh, but for the most part, unbelievers aren't coming into, this, un, into these walls. And if they are, it's because they're ready. Like, they're ready. They already, there's something in them that wants Jesus, but there might be just something, maybe a lie that they're believing that's holding them back from taking that next step. But for the most part, the people that we're to reach are the ones that are outside these walls. And, those, and, and, and so it matters when we start thinking about the body of Christ and our role as believers, it matters that we see it as much bigger than just what we do here, that we see it as something that we do when we go out. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, obviously, I don't want to be a pendulum and go from one side to the next, right, and say, your job to serve is all out there, and now all of you stop volunteering. Please don't do that. Uh, we want you to continue serving because we're individual members of the body, yes, but we're also members of one another, and we have to be, like, when we're going out there and we're being a light and bringing people in, we want to have a family atmosphere, an atmosphere here that when they come, they experience what God is like. And so we need both, right? But it's both and. Being the church is more than simply what we do in the walls. You know, a term that I often hear is, uh, what is my calling? You know, what is my calling? And I wrestled with that. Now, may, I, sometimes I think it's easier, maybe it's harder, uh, depending on how you look at it, but you get called into vocational ministry, like that's what I'm called to do. Um, it's, it's easier in a sense because it fits the old paradigm mindset. Right? The old paradigm mindset is ministers' callings are reserved for people that minister full-time within the church or missionaries or evangelists, those kind of things. It's an old paradigm mindset. Um, but the truth is all of us have a calling, right? And, it's, and that question, what is my calling, what is my purpose, has, side, you know, has sidetracked or has even paralyzed many believers, and so it's important that we understand this, right? I, I met with one MPL, well, I've met with him many times, but I remember, I think it's a year and a half ago or whatever, it doesn't matter the timeline, but some time ago when I met with him and he was agonizing over exactly this point, feeling completely inadequate in his calling because he's not doing anything for the kingdom of God, comparing himself with me or, or others from the church that are working here and just feeling like, oh, I'm just not doing enough, like I'm not doing, like I don't know what God wants me to do. And as I heard him saying this, I was thinking, like, I know him well enough, and I'm looking at his life, and I'm thinking, he's a cell leader, he's a prayer minister, uh, he loves his family, he is incredibly generous, and doesn't expect recognition for it, incredibly generous with all the things that God gives him, and generous with his finances, generous with his time, and he makes room for down and outers in his life. He has margin in his life for hurting people that he can love that can't give him anything in return. So now when you see someone like that, is that someone who is being the church or is that someone who is failing at their job? I mean, to me, I look at that and I say, that's wildly successful kingdom work. And I would say it would be a shame if every person that wanted to do ministry came and worked full-time in the church. 
then who would be the extended body, the global body that would reach into all the areas of the world where all the broken people are? We're broken too, but where all the unbelievers are is what I meant. <laughs> We're all broken. That would be a shame. And this is what I want to address today. I believe that that, that everything we do is actually a part of an overall calling that God has placed in our life, and that's what we're going to look at. First, though, let's go to our theme verse, or our theme passage, I should say, because it's more than just a verse, 20 or so verses, 19. Uh, For just as the body is one and it has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many members. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Each one of them as he chose. And so this is, this is incredibly important for us to understand here as believers. Because I see people, and, and, and often what we're doing is we're comparing ourselves to someone else to see if what we're doing is spiritual or not. If what we're doing is successful for the kingdom or not. And the problem with that is we're often comparing an eye to a hand or a hand to a foot. And, and the thing is, we end up wasting a lot of time. So I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. So every part of the body has significance. So I want to start there, and then we're going to, we're going to break this down a little bit. So this is what 1 Corinthians Paul is saying is there is a large body, and there's many different parts on the body. I actually don't know how many parts on a human body, but there's lots, I assume. Right? Where's that whole song, the foot bones connected to the... Should we sing it? No, we should not. Definitely not led by me. Uh, But anyhow, lots of different parts making up a whole body, and all of them have to work in concert, in union together for the body to function in in order to do its job, and that's important. And and these functions aren't just about what happens in the church, and this is what I I just want to make a point on this. What, what, often when we're thinking about the roles, again, we go back to church roles. We think pastor, we think minister, we think maybe cell leader, uh, we think serving in the walls. Um, last week we talked about the apes gifts. We might go here. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. We alluded to this. Their job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now these are critically important functions of the body of Christ, of the church, in order for it to work. Right? But we can look at a list like that and say, okay, so then which one am I, right? And divorce that from our regular human experience and what I'm, like, where I am in my life currently right now. So I want to show you a graphic that's going to maybe hopefully help you, hopefully help you understand this, understand how the body works together with the different gifts and roles that we're getting onto. Um, I, I did this myself. This morning. Yesterday I didn't get this nice graphic, so I was trying to describe it more with my body and hands. It was hard. So this is better, and I, that's the body of Christ. I, see the legs are even even, basically? I did that. Yeah, by eye. I got skills. If this, you know, if I ever lose my job here, I mean, I got skills as a graphic designer. Um, but anyways, <laughs> just kidding. So we have different parts of this body, and I want you to see it. And we talked about the first part yet uh, last week. We have the head, Jesus. He's functional Lord. So my body requires a head. All of the signals for, for anything my body does comes from the head. 
right? My brain is giving signals to my entire body without a head. None of my parts, even if they're magnificent on their own, none of them function well without a head, right? So it requires a head. So we have the head, Jesus is functional Lord. Then we have various body parts, right? We have hands and eyes, and this is what 1 Corinthians is talking about, hands, eyes, nose, and we have all of these different pieces, and there's many of them, right? This is our roles, our function, our gifts, our abilities. Now you have the DNA, and this is where I would kind of put, maybe this isn't totally perfect, but I'm trying to just help you see the difference, right? So that we can now take one piece and make it more practical. The DNA would be, this is the way, this is the thing that ties all the parts together. So there's the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, there's APES, the fruits of the Spirit. They define how all of the parts interact to, together and how they function, but they aren't the parts in and of themselves. And then obviously we have the mission or the job. First three are just about how the body functions. The last one is our job to go and love God, love people, be disciple, to make disciples. And I know that is an amazing picture and it's just helped you, I'm sure. Today though, I wanna focus on number two. So that DNA part, APEST, we, we focus a lot on that at the Empower, and we mentioned it last week just a bit, and we focus a lot on that at the Empower and really explain how that works with the body. Today, though, I want to really focus on that, that second part, the body and the various parts. How do I know what part I am? So we get, you know, fruits of the Spirit and APEST gifts, I get that, Jesus is functional, Lord, but still, what is my purpose? And that's what we're going to look at. And I just want to make a statement, then we're going to go right into it. What is your purpose? What is your role? To find out what that is, you can start by looking at what is your current life circumstances? What is your current job? What is your current family status? What are your relationships? Your hobbies? Who did God make you to be? Because your purpose is going to be found, your calling is found in exactly where God has put you today. See, and this is important because many times people are waiting for, some, for God to hit them. We sit there and we wait. God, give me a calling. Give me some purpose. I want you to do something. Like, show me what I'm supposed to do. And I wonder sometimes when we stand before him later if he'll be just saying, guys, like, I gave you your calling. I gave you your purpose. You lived in it. Your mission field was all around you every day. Opportunities to give me glory, opportunities to show people who I am, opportunities to fulfill the great command and the great commission. Every role has significance for the entire body to be functioning. Every role. This is important that we don't miss this, right? If we miss out on, when we limit the body of Christ to just church roles, and I'm not diminishing church roles, we need the whole body functioning in all of the areas. I'm just saying the church roles are always going to be limited. The harvest is great, the workers are few. I'm hoping, I am hoping that there's always way more people that want to come to church than there are leading in the church. Because we need leaders outside these walls. And don't overemphasize that word leader. If we miss, if we, under, if we don't understand this, there's two things that we miss out on. The first thing we miss out on is the joy of following Jesus right where we are now. And that's what I, I alluded to that with, that with that MPL, it was exactly that. He was missing out. I mean, think of all of the things he was already doing for Jesus, loving people, loving his neighbor, loving, he was doing the Good Samaritan. I mean, he's a great example of the Good Samaritan story. 
and yet completely missing the joy that Jesus had for him because he thought that this isn't a calling, this isn't purpose. You have to do something bigger for the Lord. So when we don't see this the way for, for what it is, we can miss out on the joy of following Jesus right where we are. There is joy for us. But there's a second thing. It can actually lead to burnout as we can engage in the wrong activities. Because as soon as I feel like my calling is somewhere else, I'm going to keep doing something to keep to trying to go towards that calling. But, but you just keep adding more and adding more and adding more and adding more, and eventually that can lead to burnout. And I'm not saying that happens to everyone, but I've been there. Me and Lou have had to learn this over the years. Right? As we've grown and we gave our lives to Jesus and we were excited for Jesus. We were passionate. I remember when, he, when we bought our first house, we said, Lord, you gave us a house. It's yours. We ended up having close to 15 different people live with us over a span of eight years or whatever it was. And we just said, it's yours and we'll hold cell meetings here and we're going to use it to glorify you. And we used our time and our effort and our resources to, to go and serve. And that's a wonderful thing. And there was, a lot of, there was a lot of purpose and joy in that. But as our kids got older and they became you know, more difficult, two of them, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. It's a joke. Two of them were sitting there. <laughs> as they became more wonderful, <laughs> but also started having activities outside the house. You see, we, we had lots of time for serving when they were all small and with us all the time and didn't have their own lives. Right? But then they started getting older and having friends and they had other responsibilities, and they had sales that they wanted to go to at church, a ministry that they wanted to be a part of. They were individuals. And suddenly we're in this tug of war trying to figure out, like, what do we do? And my wife was helping me. She was serving me at the church volunteer basis, leading multiple groups. And eventually last September, she prayed about it, listened to the Lord. And what he asked her to do was the unthinkable, to quit some of her serving. She had a mission field. If we don't raise our kids, who's going to raise them for us? You don't think there's opportunity to love God, love people, be discipled, make disciples, raising kids? That is a loaded mission field. And we need parents to see that as a mission field. And that's okay if you can't do everything. It's okay if you can't do everything. But let's look at what is the calling that God has on me. And we start by saying, where are my current life circumstances? Because that's where your, that's where your calling begins. Now, am I saying that God will never call you out to something different? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, don't waste where you are now waiting for something else to come your way. Engage right where you are, right where God has you, and do that job well. And do it well to the best of your ability and enjoy the adventure that Jesus brings you on. I think that's wonderful. You know, a year later, after she pulled away, now she also pulled away from helping me, which at first was very painful. <laughs> she was doing a lot of my admin. But you know what? A year later, our family is better for it. She's better for it. She's my number one, I mean, she leads my prayer partners, but she's my number one prayer partner and encourager. And she has time for our kids to be there for them when they're going through different things. And I think that's wonderful. And we still lead a cell together. It's not like we pulled out of everything. But that's my point. And, and to get this balance right, it goes back to Jesus' functional Lord. But I will say this. So Jesus' functional Lord. But as we're listening, I want you just to remember something. If always what you're doing in your life as you're trying to find your purpose and calling is adding, 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 adding. And you're never asking the question, what should I be pulling away from? Then I would just challenge you to ask to ask someone that you trust to examine what you're doing and what you're filling your time with and just kind of learn and grow together because we all have the same amount of time. 
Not on this earth, but in a day we do. We've all been given the same time. We've been given the same 24 hours, the same seven-day week to deal with. All of us have. So we want to make sure that we're doing the right things. And it's not just what happens in these walls. We want to be empowered. I want to empower you guys to feel like, be encouraged that you can go and be a parent, that you can go and be a worker, that you can go and be a student wherever you are and be a light for Jesus. And that's the point. Everyone has a place. So being the church is not just doing everything. It's not about doing everything, but it does mean use your gifts, your abilities, and your current circumstances. Where you are right now, where are you now? Use that for the glory of God. Be a light where you are. That's what being the church means. This is, this is the church when we gather, but being the church when you scatter means doing that. You take your circumstances, your gifts, who you are today, and you use it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, I love that, mundane things, eating and drinking, whatever you do, eating and drinking even, do all for the glory of God. And I love that. So if you're a mom, you're parenting kids early in the morning, to late at night and you're exhausted and you're wondering, what is my purpose? What greater purpose could there be than raising kids to know the Lord? What greater purpose is there than that? That's, that's an incredible purpose. Embrace that and don't feel bad that you're not doing more. You might be in a season where you're, like we were when you got four little kids running around or whatever you have, it doesn't matter how many, and you just feel like you don't have anything left to give, that's okay. There's lots of creative ways that we can do this and there's lots of ways that we can engage in the body and be the church. And show, remember, being the church is about being the living testimony of Jesus. Embrace that calling as a parent. Be the testimony of Jesus. How are your kids seeing Jesus in you with the way that you're parenting and the way that you respond? And in the way that you just do regular things, not just the spiritual activities, but the regular life things. Show them who Jesus is. Factory worker, you might be thinking, what can I do as a factory worker? Right? Maybe, maybe you're, just, you're just on an assembly line. You don't even have lots of contact. You show up on time. You work hard as though you work under the Lord. You have a positive attitude. You have a can-do attitude. You listen when people talk to you. You listen. You, you actively engage with people. You love them. And you can pray. You can do that, stuff like that too. But just doing your job well, all of those things, do it for the glory of God. That is a part of loving God, giving Him glory, and being the church. Being a light. I love that. Salesperson has integrity. Think about this. Like, (laughs) there's always that fine line between, well, this is information that I would tell my friends and my family, but I might not want to tell you because I want the sale. So you be a person of integrity, a man or woman of integrity, and you say, I'm going to treat everyone like they're my family. That's what Jesus did. That's a testimony for Jesus. That's what he did. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. He treated even the many billions that might not know him in the end. He treated all of us the same loved us all the same. Incredible. Incredible. So we can do that. Take that into our our jobs, whatever that might be. Maybe it's service industry. I remember I was in the service industry at Snyback Dodge, and and I I remember when I felt God call me into vocational ministry, I just could not wait to get out of of my job, and not because I didn't like it. I was just so excited to do full-time ministry. I thought, that's what I want to do, and it took three and a half years from when I actually received the call to when I finally left And during that time was character building. And I remember the Lord told me, because in the beginning I thought it would be fast, like it's going to be fast. And the Lord said, I'm not going to let you leave until you're content where you are. 
He wanted me to be a light right where I was before he would let me do it full time. And I'm so glad that he did. Because honestly, if I couldn't be a light there, what makes me think that I would ever be able to be a light here? True? Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't a perfect light there. (laughs) Joel is sitting here. He also worked with me for a while, so I'll be careful in saying all the good stories now. (laughs) We'll just move on to the next point. But but anyways, so he's known me for a while, so he got to see a lot of the change and the growth. Um, But that's exactly what it's all about, being a light, inviting people into your cells and talking to them about your faith and being a good listener and trying to be positive and picking yourself up back up when you do something dumb. You know, you're a manager, you're organizing people. You're thinking, well, how is that spiritual? You've got lots of opportunities as a manager to show people who Jesus is. Right? When you're telling people what to do, you can do it, in a, it you can either do it just, you know, I speak the truth as the truth is. Right? I'm a truth speaker, or, and which isn't bad. Or you can always speak the truth in love. You can show grace to your employees. You can care. You can ask them how they're doing. There is so many ways that we can be a light, that we can show people that we're different. Farmer, waking up early, going to bed late, you're loving your your animals. You're saying, how's that leading people to Jesus? It's glorifying God if you choose to do so. If you have workers there, there's lots of opportunity. My point is, whether you're a minimum wage worker or whether you're making a lot of money, you're pulling in a big income, whether you are just a laborer or you're an owner, Whether you're a parent, whether you're a student, all of these things are different parts. They're different parts in the body of Christ. And we need you in your your area, your circumstance, where you are today, for the body to function well and to be built up. We need you to embrace your call exactly where you are today. That's the point. Regular mundane life becomes an adventure with Jesus when we embrace the life that God has already given to us. And we start there and use that as our mission field. That's where we start. I'll, I'll read you something from 130 AD. Um, so I've been doing a lot of study on what the early church was like in that first 300 years especially because, you know, it started with Jesus dying and them trying to stamp out Christianity completely. And from there, 300 years later, Rome accepts it as a national religion and it's embraced. And, and the rest is history, right? So it matters to me a lot to kind of study and, and to understand what was the early church like? I mean, what did they do that was so magnificent that just a small group could grow and spread and suddenly we are here today 2,000 years later? Because we have this idea that it must have just been like calling down fire from heaven, major miracles. They must have just been all like full of the Spirit, shining with the radiance of God in everything that they did, right? I mean, that must have been what it was. Every believer was a super believer back then. Well, let me read you something. It's from an unknown author. It was translated originally in Greek, uh, but it's written about the early church. All right. I'm only, by the way, so you know, I'm only putting snippets up there. What I read you is longer, um, but I've just put snippets up because it's so long. I'm, I'm highlighting what I find is the important pieces. For the Christians, so this is written. So for the Christians are distinguished... From other men, neither by country, nor language, nor custom, which they observe. For they neither inhabit cities of their own, nor employ a a peculiar form of speech, nor lead a life which is marked out by any singularity. So already then, most religions were tribal in, in nature, so they had their own lands, their own speech, their own people. So already here he's saying the Christians are different because they're kind of dispersed amongst everyone. So they're different. Their, their life is marked out by, it's not marked out by any singularity. The course of conduct which, which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or deliberation of inquisitive men. Nor do they, like some, 
proclaim themselves the advocates of merely human doctrines, but inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according as the lot of each of them has determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct. Isn't that striking? This is, what, this is halfway between starting and trying to be stamped out and becoming this massive religion, 300 years. We're right in the middle of that, and we're defining what do Christians look like in the middle of that. Now I lost my place. <laughs> Ordinary, there we go. Ordinary conduct. Clothing, food, the same as everybody else. Ordinary conduct. They display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, and yet endure all things as foreigners. Every foreign land to them as their native country, and every land of their birth as lands of strangers. They marry, as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. So now already you're beginning to see the difference. So they marry like everyone else, they raise families like everyone else, but already here, there's a difference in how they raise their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They're in the flesh, but do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on the earth, but are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, but I love this next line, but at the same time, they surpass the laws by their lives. So they're ordinary, but they're extraordinary at the same time. But not because they're so gifted and amazing. They live ordinary lives, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. They live and they love and they're different. They're a testimony for Jesus. And I think that's incredible. To me, anyways. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things, and yet abound in all. They are dishonored, and yet in, every di- in, e- in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of, and yet are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and pay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. (laughs) They are assailed by the Jews as foreigners and are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them, look at this statement, yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. Any reason, because their conduct, they don't just obey the laws, they surpass the laws. Their conduct, the way they bless instead of curse, they forgive instead of hold bitterness. They're different. They love and they love big. They're different, yet they're ordinary. What the soul is to the body are Christians to this world. This is the body of Christ in action. This is the body of Christ in action. It's every part realizing that they have a mission field, and that mission field is where they are right now. And because of that, that mission field might change for two reasons. It might change because God may call you out of it, and that's true. Listen to him as functional Lord. He will call some of you to change things. Absolutely yes. But you know what else will change your mission field? Just growing through life, going through life as you get older and go through different circumstances and change jobs, change family circumstances. All of those things are changing the mission field to which you are called. But notice what I love about this early manuscript of the early church is it's regular, mundane, ordinary things. Everybody had purpose. Everybody had value. Everybody had a job. Everyone was called, and they worked together as a body, and the entire body was built up to where it is today, and I hope this is encouraging to you because I have seen too many young and old that have been shipwrecked because they can't figure out what they're supposed to do with their lives. What is my calling? And the best thing for you to do is to start embracing the calling that God has on you right now, right where you are. 
This is exactly what we find here in 1 Corinthians again. 1 Corinthians 7, yet each of you should remain as you are called. He talks about there, he says, even if a slave, then don't seek your freedom. Not in the sense of where it's bad to be free, but he's saying, you can actually just, you don't have to, to go and change what you're doing in order to be a part of the church now and glorify God. Wherever you are now, you can start right there. And absolutely be listening to what the Holy Spirit says. And he might lead you to do different things. He'll give you creative ideas on how to be the church where you're at. Absolutely, yes. Then it says there in the last verse 24, I skipped a couple there. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. And that doesn't mean that you never make changes. It means you don't have to change in order to, to fulfill your purpose. You just need to engage. You just need to engage where you are where you are, and I think that's encouraging. Now, remember, I just want to, I can't say this enough. I'm not saying that God won't call you out of there, and we need to be listening, even within, not just vocational ministry, but even within your jobs. Even within your jobs, God may call you to make a change. Absolutely, yes. But don't wait. Don't disengage from being the church while you wait for something extra. Be the church where you are and be listening at the same time, and God will already let you know. If you're listening, he'll let you know if you need to make a change. I don't want people feeling guilty because they're a parent, a student, a teacher, a salesperson, a factory worker, flipping burgers. None of us should feel guilty about where we are. We should just embrace the call that God has on us. And that's exactly what Matthew 25 was talking about with the parables. The important part about that wasn't the who had five, who had two, and who had one. That was unimportant in the story. With the end of the story, what was important is what you did with what you were given. To each person, to the measure of Christ's gift, it says in Ephesians 4, he gives gifts. Absolutely yes. To the measure in which he chooses, he gives grace gifts. Absolutely yes. So it's not about comparing. We don't compare to each other. But it is about investing what he's given us and investing it back into the kingdom. And in that way then, we'll go back to our theme passage here, the next verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And I love that part that some may seem indispensable or weaker, but not a single part is more valuable than the next. And so I'm not, not that I keep going back to moms or dads, but I know that's often the case when you're raising small kids. It's, it's hard to feel like you're living a life of purpose. It's easy. I, at least it was for, for me. You get stuck in that. You, you see church and ministry is big, and, and you're just, you might be changing diapers, and that doesn't feel the same. And yet, here it says, when you do all things for the glory of God, there, there is no part that says to another part that it's less valuable. All have the same value. All have the same, and, and, and all are required for the whole church to be built up. They're just different. It's different. You know, I love, uh, where, do, where, did I miss Brother Lawrence? I did. I missed it. I'll go back to it. Brother Lawrence, I don't know if you've heard of it, heard of it, him. <laughs> uh, he had a bunch of letters that he wrote, uh, but he led a very ordinary life. And his letters were compiled into a book called The Presence of, or Practicing the Presence of God. And in there, what I love is, I've got to go back and just read the quote. It's got to be in here somewhere. Now, there it is. <laughs> a couple of pages ago. It's okay. Uh, Brother Lawrence said this, It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground if for the love of God. 
That's what his purpose was. He said it was enough for him. If he was going to do that for the love of God, picking up a piece of straw was enough for him. He didn't need anything else. He didn't need a bigger calling. He could sweep. He could cook. He wasn't a big speaker, a well-known speaker in publishing books. It was just letters. And people were in awe. People still are way past his lifespan. And people are still looking back at his regular, ordinary life that was extraordinary and supernatural in the way that he conducted it. And he did regular, ordinary things. And I love that. He didn't even want to pick up a piece of straw if it wasn't done for the love of God. And all that you do, he did it for faith. And I think that's what we're getting at today. That's what we're trying to get at. It's taking our lives and offering it back to Jesus as an offering of worship. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship. And then obviously it goes on to say, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And there is something about the DNA, the the heart that we have to have, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, which I want to get to later, not today, um, which, and we'll talk about that. There is a transforming, a, a renewal of the mind that has to happen for us to do our jobs well. But today we're just talking about what is my role? What is my purpose? And my answer to that is, where are you right now in your life? Your purpose is there. Your calling is there. God has meaning for you if you'll take it. You know, I've spoken to um, multiple people in our church. There's lots of you that are doing this already, and I love that. Um, But I've spoken, I'm thinking of two different gentlemen right now that I know of. Three, actually. Names are popping through my mind. But they use their marketplace ministry. They use their job as a ministry. It is a ministry. And they're intentional. Intentional to do what? They're intentional to ask questions and to listen to people and, and to ask them where, they are, where they're at and to listen to their stories. Intentional to show love. They are. Also intentional, one of them has many stories. I won't give names because I didn't ask, but one of them has many stories of even then while driving from one location to the next and listening to the Holy Spirit. Lord, is there anything that I need to know? Like as I'm going to this next place, is there anything you want me to say or do? And he's giving the Holy Spirit margin, not church workers. But this is body life connected to the head, being an encourager, and then when given an opportunity, sharing their own personal story and their own faith. And I think that's incredible. That's that's a wonderful way that we can do it. Uh, I think of... um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing about uh, where we we started, but one of my uh, friends who's close, like a a brother to me, is Hector Duick, and he's here today. I don't know where you are, Hector. Where are you? Wait, way in the back. Oh, yeah. I'd be people watching if I was back there. But anyways, Hector, when I met him, uh, we were kickboxing. I had just given my life to Christ. Um, I'm fairly certain I annoyed him to some level and degree, but he's not going to amen back there, and we couldn't hear him anyways. Uh, But I I was somewhat annoying and very energetic. If you think I'm energetic now, I was much more energetic then and kind of in your face. But anyways, we're at this kickboxing match, and we're just, this is a hobby. It's fun. It's a sport. But this is the mission field, and I'm meeting this guy, Hector, and he's interesting to me, and I'm following him around, and I'm talking to him, and I'm diving into his life, and he goes out for a smoke, I walk out with him, and he gets a case of beer, and I'm walking with him to find him, and we're just going and doing our thing, and he wasn't following, look, give me the look, he's here now, yeah, yeah. I was, I had just given my life to Christ, and he wasn't quite there yet, and I remember him telling me something, and that was, you're different than other Christians that I've met. Now, I didn't lead him to the Lord, he, he has his own journey there. But I was part of that testimony of who Jesus really was in his life. What Jesus was really like. Right? He felt accepted just the way he was. The come just as you are love. You've heard me say that lots. He felt the come just as you are love. (laughs) Mixed in with a little bit of, you're a really weird, strange, annoying kind of guy. But 
But, but the love of Christ surpassed even that. And I think that's, that's neat. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's using wherever you're at. That's using a hobby, using a sport to be a light. That's a mission field. It's not just being at church. I know of a, a mom that I heard of just a, a while ago that feels too busy to, you know, felt guilty she wasn't leading a sale, didn't know what to do there. So what she does is invites other moms over. And then they do regular stuff together and they take care of their kids together, but then they also pray for each other and share what's going on in their life and their support and they push each other to grow. That's amazing. That's body life. I think that's incredible. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. That's what we're getting at. Embrace the place that God has put you today and be the church. So we're going to do a little exercise together. If you have your journal, you can pull it out if you don't already have it. If you want to do it on your phone, you can. And if not, you'll see the steps in there. And you can just take a screenshot. So, how do we start? How do we be the church or build the church? That's, a quite, that's one of the questions I often ask myself. How can I build the church wherever I'm at? How can I do that? So the first thing is, what is your current role? So you're trying to figure out what your current part is in the body. And you can start this. We'll, we'll go through it right away. So job, family, hobbies, relationships, stage of life. Are you an empty nester? Do you have little kids? Do you have teenagers? Do you have no kids? Are you a friend? Are you married? Are you dating? What's your mission field? You got a mission field. This is how we figured out. What is your current role? What is your job? What is your responsibilities? What do you do? This is your mission field. Now, what can you do this week to be a living testimony for Jesus? You know that the old bracelets, WWJD? We're not bringing it back, but at the same time, it's exactly this. I know it gets corny, right? What would Jesus do? But at the same time, yes, that is exactly what we should be asking. My life matters. How I work matters. How I, how I pay for my groceries matters. How I treat people, it matters. Whether I'll see them again or not, it matters. So leave a, leave a mark on the world around you everywhere you go. How can you leave that mark? How can you show people that they are loved just the way that they are? in whatever you're doing in your mission fields. That's what you're asking here. Next one. There it is. Who is someone I can love this week without return? This is different than just loving people who love you back, okay? Someone who can't return. This is someone who cannot give you anything back that may not want to give you anything back. In fact, and it may be someone that who hurt you, you don't want to show them love. But this is part of being the church. This is, this is what makes ordinary mundane life extraordinary. When people see you love people that don't earn it and can't give you anything in return, it demands an explanation. Why are you like that? Why are you so different? Why do you care? Then you have a chance to share your story, and I think that's special. Then lastly, is there anything in my life that needs to be laid down? Remember, it's not just always about addition. If you are going to embrace your calling in in the place where God has you, the mission field where you are today, if you're going to do that well, you can't do everything. So is there something, and maybe you've already, you're, you're good at this. Maybe this last one's more for people that are like me, who just always add and never subtract. But is there something maybe you need to stop, cut back, change, in order to be the church in your current role? And I'm not just talking about bad things. If you're doing bad things, I will just say, don't cut back, you should stop. Uh, I'm talking about good things. Are there good things you need to maybe alter or change? So Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us even right now. So we're just working on this. What do you want to say to us? We are your body. We are your church. 
Let him speak to you. What is your role? How can you be a testimony for Jesus this week, tomorrow? What can you do to show your brothers and sisters that you're different, that Jesus has made the biggest difference in your life? yes to you. That's something you spoke to me so many years ago when I was so worried about getting it wrong. Oh Lord, I just I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to I want to I want to do yeah, I want to do good things for you. I want to make you pleased. I still remember where I was sitting when you said, "I'll simplify this for you." Didn't make it easy, but you simplified it. And you said, "All I'm asking you is to give me your yes." And that's all we're giving you today, Lord. It's our yes. We are saying yes to being the church. We're saying yes to the mission field that you've given us, wherever that is. But we need your Holy Spirit. If we're going to do it well, Lord, we're broken. We're hurting. We have our own stress and anxiety and things that we're going through, and we're struggling with what's going on at church here. But yet you are good, and we still have purpose. And so, Lord, we say yes to you. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.